Hey everyone, welcome to Dentistry Unmasked. I'm Dr. Pam Maragliano Munez, and with me as always. Hello, Pam. David Rice, hanging out with all the peeps. What do we have going today, Pam? Oh my gosh. I'm like stupid excited for this week <laughs> for a couple of reasons. I've got a couple of my absolute faves on here with us. So let's start with Dr. Chris Salerno. Besides the fact he is like one of my favorite people in the industries, a dear friend, a great colleague, a great dentist, and now the CDO of Tend. Like he like kind of knows it all, does it all. Chris, what's up? I am also super excited to be here with my favorite people. Um, we don't get to see each other nearly as much. Uh, and if we all ran a dental practice together, we'd be unstoppable. The the superpower, super practice think tank. So our other guests. So Chris, I don't see you nearly enough. Laura, I see you every week, but even that's still not enough. Laura Betancourt is a dental hygienist, and she's just one of my favorite, favorite people to work with. Um, for starters, she works with me. She works in another practice. She also runs a coaching company and coaches dental hygienists. So Laura, I don't know how you fit all the things that you do in a week, but I'm so happy you took the time to join us today. Laura, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Um, and honored. Uh, and I absolutely love working with you. I also love the ble beach, bleach on a beach. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's got legs. I think it'll work. You better, you better uh, quote, or what do you call it? Copyright that now um, before uh, bleach on the beach all of a sudden turns up everywhere. It'll be up tomorrow. I know. I know. So, okay, here's the thing. I don't know about, I'm sure Chris, this is happening with you every day, but are you still trying to recruit team members. I know I still am, even though I feel like, you know, we're almost done recruiting, but we're, I think we'll always sort of be recruiting. And what seems to be a common thread, especially, I mean, with dental assistants, definitely is you interview them. And their first question is, well, what are you offering? What are you giving me? What's the, what, what, what you got? And I have to wonder are DSOs getting the best team members? And are we getting, you know, like, what is it that a private practice has to do to compete? So I don't know, you guys kick it off. Um, DSOs are not getting the best team members. It's not to say that they're getting the worst. I just think private practice has a very, very fair shot at being able to recruit and retain um, the, the, the folks that they're looking for, we'll call them the best, the best hygienists, the best dental assistants. So there's a really good report that I steal my best information from. And it, it, it generally comes from the, the ADA's health policy Institute, Mark Vujicic and, and the gang. And, um, they created a report, um, that just came out pretty recently. And they worked with a, a number of other really important groups, the dental assisting, uh, board and ADHA, and uh, Ignite DA, as a matter of fact, uh, Dental Workforce Shortages is the, is the title of it. Um, really good information about recruitment and retention and, and um, you know, what, what's causing folks to look for uh, different employers and are they happy by private practice, group, DSO, et cetera. And um, I'll, I'll reference some of that data here. And I've got the report in front of me. Uh, I don't normally walk around with all these statistics handy. Sure but, um, no, <laughs> before I give, I'll go up and give a lecture, I, I study it so that I can sound like I just have this at my fingertips. Um, but there's a ton of really good data. And I, I would encourage everyone to, 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 to read this particular one. But 
the job satisfaction by people who are currently employed, which is a good indicator of whether or not we would expect to retain them, right? The job satisfaction at private practice far exceeded that for DSOs significantly, like by a large margin. And that doesn't mean to say, like, we got to be careful what to do with that information. That doesn't mean DSOs are miserable places to work. If you've seen one DSO, you've seen one DSO. There's plenty of differences between them, right? Same with private practice. There's really nice places to work and not so great places to work. Um, but, but in many cases, despite all the other benefits that a DSO is able to offer, like healthcare, 401k, et cetera, it would appear there's more to the story about what makes someone happy and a risk for retention. So Laura, as someone who has, you know, super current experience on both sides of that coin, what, what are, what are those things? Um, so I think it really comes down to the individual and what it is that they're looking for. I mean, why does anybody become happy within their career or their life, right? They have to know what their why is, what their mission is, what their core values are. And you have to make sure wherever you end up at your place of employment, they're in alignment with what you want and what you're looking to achieve. So I think depending on the individual, if they're someone, a hygienist that is really looking for growth and wants more beyond the four walls of the operatory, a DSO would be a great place to start out because they have levels of career where they can go to become an office manager or director or something along those lines. Or if you're looking to level up your clinical practice and you want to learn new innovations and technologies and make sure that you're providing the optimal care to your patients, um, I mean, a private practice and or DSO, depending, um, would be a, a good opportunity. I think it's also about what um, strategies and systems offices have in place. I've worked at both um, private and DSOs and not just my current employment, but my past employment where um, they've, both of them, private practice and DSOs, um, they've had great systems in place and then they've had horrible systems in place. So it, I think it really, that it depends on that. So you split your week though? between a private practice and a DSO. Now, okay, everybody out there before you're like, there's nepotism, she's gonna say whatever you want her to say. That is not true. And no. there is no employment uh, relationships that will be harmed in the making <laughs> of this podcast. So Laura, <laughs> be as candid as you want. I promise I've got a thick enough skin, you won't hurt my feelings. So, you know, you see both sides every week. So what is attractive to you to be able to be in a private practice, but also have the DSO, it, like, does it feel different? Is it different? Like what is different? Um, oh, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to be completely candid. I hand over anything, would choose private practice working for you because of the, <laughs> um, did not get paid to say that. <laughs> I got stacked there, Chris, I think. I'm yeah. that. <laughs> um, because of the autonomy that you give me and that I'm able to provide because you 
allow me to be able to provide that optimal care to my patients and you trust me. We have that working relationship, which is incredible. You're not always going to get that at a private practice or a DSO. Um, I love with it at Salem Dental Arts that you're able to provide center, um, center, patient-centered care and make it personalized to that individual. DSOs, you have to have a structure. So because not all hygienists are created equal, you have to have certain protocols in place. And for me as a clinician who is providing the highest standard of care, sometimes that can feel almost forced or faked. Like I, it would be nice to be able to tweak and alter care a little bit um, more freely in the DSO setting. And that's not to say that can't be achieved. Just currently, I don't, I don't have that, but this is a newer position. So. So Chris, I mean, I mean, having the, like the breadth of experience that you have and, and, and you're one of the rare people I know who not only has the process and the clinical skills, but you have the people skills. How do you bring that, you know, to tend and, and to, to your teams? Like, how do you bring the process, which does need to be standardized as you scale? It's just a hard thing to master, but how do you keep that, um, and teach and train people to still be able to bring their creative voice to that process. So at TEND, and TEND was in existence before I came on board, I joined as chief dental officer uh, when we were at five locations, but there was a very clear concept for what TEND would be. And and here's what what is what makes us unique as a, as a DSO. It's that every practice is a de novo, is a startup. We don't grow by acquiring practices. More on that in a moment and why that's important in a moment. Um, it's that we're only in urban locations. And so there's a, a, a very diverse and dynamic workforce that, that comes along that with that, which we celebrate. But we also had a very clear value proposition of who we're trying to be and for what target demographic, which is something I've lectured on for years, right? So many dentists just try to be everything to everyone. And that is really hard to do as dentistry and all healthcare uh, sectors, honestly, become a bit more commoditized. Mm -hmm. So because we had this very clear vision of, of what this de novo practice would be, what a 10 studio is and who we're trying to attract, we're trying to attract young urban professionals. We don't treat kids. If you're under the age of 12, we're so sorry. We're not for you. We can't try to be everything for everyone. And we're creating this very boutique experience. We're very thoughtful about this patient journey from when they first interact with our brand, usually on TikTok or Instagram, through booking, like what are the what are the common issues that that those those patients have? Let's remove those and inject hospitality. Well, we take that approach, that intentionality as an employer too, trying to be a best place to work. So what are the things that are frustrating for a hygienist, a dentist, a dental assistant in, in other modes of employment, either in private practice or in, in other DSOs? What can we be that's unique? What's our value proposition to them? And so because we're intentional about this, because our, our mission, our vision, our values are, are really thought out and that we actually like live and breathe them every day, I think that helps differentiate us as an employer. And we're not for everyone. There's plenty of ridiculously talented and smart 
care providers that we're not for, uh, that they just ha- we're going to have a different practice environment that's for them that they'll thrive on. And so let's try to figure that out in our, our recruitment process, in our interview process, and we'll happily pause or stop that that recruitment process if we realize we're just not going to be a great fit for them. They're going to be an amazing dental assistant, hygienist, or dentist in a totally different practice setting. Um, I think if someone's listening to this podcast now and they are, they've just been searching for forever for a hygienist, which is, which is, I think, very common, that can sound like, well, that sounds nice to turn people away, but what the heck, I've been looking for months. Um, what I would say is, is to refine the type of hygienist you're trying to attract, put that job description together that, that speaks to that specific person. And then, you know, leveraging reports like what the ADA health policy institute puts out is, is recognize what may or may not be really important to that person. And I love what you said, Laura, let's, let's, let's craft something that is specific to that type of person that makes sense. Where I think a lot of DSOs go wrong and some private practice too, is they just throw money at the problem. Mm-hmm. And what can happen in those cases are they, and this maybe answers your, your, your question you started out with, with Pam is like, are DSOs getting the best? Uh, because they've got, maybe, the, maybe the, the, the supposition is, well, they have more money so they can just, they can pay these crazy wages to folks. Um, if that's their game, I think it's a losing proposition because of a couple of reasons, someone down the street's going to offer them an extra buck per hour and then they'll get that person. But they're also attracting mercenaries and not missionaries. If you have that clear vision and mission and, and value statements, if you have, let's use the C word, that incredible culture, a real tangible culture, a great vibe when you walk into the practice, that's unbeatable. And I will happily sell people on the culture all day long and attract and retain them on that, even if they end up making a couple bucks less per hour. I couldn't agree more with that. And that's one of the things that we talk to our clients a lot about is yes, money is important and you want you, your work to feel valued and what you do to be valued, but you also need to surround yourself with like-minded people who are going to empower you and have that positive working culture. Because if you don't have that, if you, I mean, a majority of people are coming to us because they're in a toxic working environment and they don't know what to do, you know? Yes. And a lot of them are just saying, oh, I want to leave hygiene. Well, wait, do you actually want to leave hygiene or do you just need to leave the environment that you're in? Right. That's a great point. And there's so many little nuances to this. So I think that a dentist could take away from this saying, I need to create a culture. I'm going to go to work on Monday and I, I'm i going to up my culture and that's what I'm going to do. And I can tell you, at least in my practice with my experience, and David, I want to hear yours too, is that I always thought like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a middle child. Like I get along with everybody. So I'm like, I can do culture, right? Like I'm going to have a nice practice and I want to care about my patients and I want to do all the things. But the reality was for me, and I think that this is a reality for a lot of dentists, that when I bought my practice, my culture was not to lose patients and to keep the team because I didn't keep the owner. So Mm -hmm. I felt like the only bit of consistency, because I hated the decor, 
was going to be the team. And so my culture was that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden during the pandemic, and I know I've shared this story before, not necessarily here, but elsewhere, that I just had like this light go off in my brain that I was like, you know what? F this noise. This isn't working for me. The practice isn't profitable. I can't really stand it. And I'm going to now do things my way. And if you as a patient don't jive with what I want, then you can go. And if you as a team member don't really jive with what I want, you can go too. And we ended up replacing every team, you know, clinical team member as part of this. And all of a sudden, this practice has turned around like you wouldn't believe. And I mean, I'm so blessed to have Laura and Danielle and Sarah and Beth. I mean, it's like crazy how I've got, you know, people are struggling to have hygienists. I actually, which is like crazy, I'm starting to develop a line of hygienists that want to work in my practice, which is such a blessing, especially in today's environment. And I feel like because, I mean, this we just talked about this earlier, that I kind of knew what I wanted, but I only really put it on paper a year ago, you know, and it was like, this is what I'm about. And if this aligns with you, then cool, we can have a conversation. If it doesn't align, then, you know, I think that there'll be a place that will be a better fit for you. And I think finding that out earlier is better, but you have to be unapologetic about who you are as a practice owner, but also as a team member, because if it's not a fit, it's just not a fit. It doesn't have to be, you, know, you don't marry everybody you date, right? Like you have to find the right person and the right team and the right environment, the right culture. And if it's not right for you, you just have to have the, the, you know, just be brave and find, you know, and, and have the energy to just seek out that right thing. David, I mean, what's your take? So I'll give you my take. Can I ask you a question first? Yeah. All right. Because I think this is a question that we all have to answer for ourselves, whether we're the dentist owner on the hygiene team, assisting team, admin team. But what specifically was it that made you feel so sick and tired of sicking tired that you're like, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to do something about it. Because I think that's where we need to get to whomever we are in this process. I think in my core, I love what I do. And I want people around me that love what they do. And I also want to be around people that make me happy. And I know this, this is just like a simple, silly thing, but I want to wake up in the morning and enjoy the people I spend my time with. If you're an energy suck, you know, I mean, we all have bad days. Trust me. Like Laura sees me. I got one right now. Like I walk in with my Red Bull and I'm like, guys, I don't know. I mean, we all have those days. But I feel like on my worst day, I don't mind being where I spend my day. And I actually really love who I spend my day with. And that was something that I really wanted to have happen. And I also think that I wanted to do more and I wanted to do better because I felt like if your practice isn't profitable, is it not thriving because like, you know, it's just like, it's not like it's a marketing thing. It's not like there's you know, there's got to be something within the practice that isn't working. And maybe it's communication. Maybe it's the team. Maybe it's whatever. But I mean, Laura mentioned that she's got autonomy. But I mean, that is something that came because we're aligned in what we do. And, you know, as a patient-centered practice, like I 
invested in my hygiene department. I mean, like they've got every tool. I mean, almost every tool, whatever's next, we'll buy whatever's next. Like we have every tool that my hygienists need, including autonomy over their schedule to do what they need to do to get our patients healthy. And our patients are responding to that so much. So Laura, you don't even know this, that we're on track in four years quadrupling our hygiene revenues since 2019. And so I'm just like, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this out of pride because I'm not doing it. It's Laura and Danielle and, and Sarah and Beth. Like they're doing what the patients need and the office is being rewarded for it. And they're being re rewarded for it because they enjoy what they do. I mean, obviously I hope I don't pay poorly, but I feel like on top of that, you know, it's like everything just sort of works. It's like cogs in a wheel or, you know, so yeah. It's interesting, right? I look at it. Um, I don't know. I, you're nicer than I am, Pam. I, I you know, I, 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 I very much that. walked into ownership with this mindset of, um, I want all of you team members on this ship, but this ship is definitively going from this port in that direction. And if that's not a direction you can 100% commit to, it's okay. It's just not okay for you to be here. And so maybe I was lucky to have like an early breaking point, you know, before I was owner, an owner, but I think we all have to have a breaking point where we're, where we can draw the line in the sand. We know, we know where we want to go. We don't have to necessarily know how to get there. I think the first engagement is that people bucket into help people see where we want to go and, and, and show them um, the way. And we can, we can, the four of us can figure out together how to make bleach on the beach work. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? We can, we can learn our lessons along the way, but if we don't know, that's where we want to go. We're just destined to, you know, wash ashore someplace else. I think that's, that's the first thing. And then as a leader, I think we, I have to be willing to do when somebody says, yes, I want to go there with you. I have to be willing to do whatever it takes to help them get there with me, remove all the obstacles I can out of the way. Um, so we can all succeed together. But Chris, you said it really well. Um, you know, mission, the missionary over the mercenary is you're you're great with sound bites, by the way. But yeah. that's like epic sound bite to say because it's it, it's true. Like the money only goes so far. No one stays happy because of twenty five bucks an hour versus twenty versus fifty versus forty five. It's can't do it. So how do you build this? That then leads us to the question of how do you attract more missionaries? What is your job posting on Indeed or whatever? Oh, 100%. Look like. Does your job posting just look like looking for hygienist, uh, three years experience preferred, must know dentrix? Like, does that even dent? Who cares? That doesn't matter. You'll teach that, right? Like, is that what your job posting looks like? And I'm willing to bet a lot of folks it does. Freshen it up. How do you attract missionaries? You talk about for the way we do it, we talk about job growth opportunities. Not everyone's going to want to become a senior hygienist or what and if you're a small private practice you may not have all this complications with your complexity i should say with your org structure so make it job titles mean something that's important to become a, 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 
a lead hygienist. Like that's a cool thing. That's that's a great thing for a hygienist. And and who knows where they may go after after that, right? So even in a small private practice with a with a more simplified org structure, career development, career pathing, that's really exciting. That's that's important. And think about the ways you can you can help develop that for individuals. Um, so growth opportunities, uh, again, selling the culture, um, that's a fun place to work. Um, and why is it fun? What are the group activities you do, the CE you provide? Like, these are all the things to highlight, to really sell. I think you do that, you'll attract a much different quality of, of applicant. And then it becomes a little less about the dollars per hour and a little more about what you can offer. It's kind of like what we hope to do with our patients too, right? I mean, they get more excited about... The the, yeah. the 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 brand that we have as dentists and the and the quality of work we do, and then it becomes less about what their insurance covers. Well, Laura, let me ask you this because I don't know about you guys, but I've had an ad on Indeed. Like, I basically Indeed has like a mortgage with me at this point. Like, <laughs> I just pay the monthly and get pretty much nothing out of it. And I we get sometimes some applicants, but again, they're more like the mercenary situation as you described. We've been lucky a couple of times but I'd say we're unlucky more likely than not. My experience has been, I get the best people via word of mouth. Now, Laura, I know like diamond dental aside, um, you have a network of people like hygienists, no hygienists, right? Like, and so don't you guys talk? I mean, obviously there's, you know, social media posts and, you know, things that we see like in hygiene groups, but like, don't you guys help each other out trying to find roles and, you know, what offices are good? I mean, you kind of know what's a great office versus like not a great office in a given area, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we hygienists, at le- one would hope we all want to support one another, right? Um, and And so they absolutely do talk. And I've known hygienists that have told me horrible experiences at working with a specific DSO. Don't, don't work for them or even a private practice doctor, like stay away. You know, he's a control freak, micromanager, whatever it may be. Like, do not, do not go. The money's not worth it. You know, they'll pay X amount of dollars, but then you'll be living in hell every day. (laughs) So they do, they do talk. And then there's also, you know, what, what each hygienist wants, you know, a a lot of hygienists are looking for more flexibility within their schedule. So I, I think a lot of hygienists are going towards temping so they can try out different offices and see which culture is a good fit for them or just creating their own schedule, which is interesting. That's something that I've seen with our clients that they're they're um, t- testing out the the temping uh, waters and saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to see what happens here until they find a good fit. Boy, there may or may not be at least a half a dozen companies out there that that is their entire business model is knowing that a lot of the world does not want a full-time position, or maybe just doesn't believe they want it until they find it. Pam, I wish we had like five more hours. We're just going to have to have y'all back. Oh my goodness. It's already that time. That was so Southern of you. I know. I just came back from Alabama last week. I guess that stuck. You can't say y'all and then coffee, like in the next sentence, that's not allowed. (laughs) 
I didn't even say coffee. You're the one who brought it up. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, even like how you removed. say dog. I do yeah. say dog. Yeah, she just got back from the groomer. I didn't even get to tell her how pretty she is yet. She's so mad at you right now. Totally. <laughs> Terrible. Listen, it turns out, gang, who gets the top talent is not just about the almighty dollar. Some things matter more. We talked about a lot of them today. Chris, Laura, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, pleasure is all mine. And I uh, look forward to our first uh, planning meeting for Bleach on a Beach. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, we're going to make, you know, it doesn't even matter how much we make. It just sounds like the most fun business ever. Especially with you guys, with you lot. It'll be fun. I'm all about entrepreneurship and supporting people's dreams. Let's make this happen. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you loved our podcast, we'd love a review. If you didn't love us, don't tell us. That's fine with us. <laughs> Otherwise, Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. So we look forward to seeing you next week. And for Dentistry Unmasked, we'll see you then. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have time topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again and we'll see you next week.